was one of the biggest stadium bands in the world. R.E.O. Speedwagon. And this is Football Unfocused, uh, the weekly, or when we can be asked, uh, football-related <laughs> podcast hosted by um, uh, me, Mark <laughs> the Great, as I mod- modestly call myself, and him, uh, Matthew <laughs> the Not-So-Great. Do you think that's a fair yeah. assessment of our characters, Matthew? Can you describe me as great and you not so great? I mean, you know, uh, the ball's out of the bag. I don't want to. I don't want to sound like a sycophant, but, mm. but definitely you you're going along great. with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm just. I'm learning a lot from Vladimir Putin. You know, he's going for this whole strongman thing, isn't he? And uh, you know, trying to re-establish uh, kind of Russia's uh, superiority on the global stage. It's um, it's aggression in line with leaders of the past like Catherine the Great and Peter the Great. So I'm thinking great. That's the way yeah. to go. Just call yourself great, regardless of whether or not you've got the credentials to back it up. Yeah. And then somebody in history will write about you, I'm sure. Yeah, someone will. <laughs> Christ knows who. <laughs> Matthew, we've got a lot to get through today. We had a, a slightly unscheduled half-term break last week. Uh, what are you going to do, listeners, if you didn't like it? Sue us. Do something better, <laughs> you know? You don't have to sit there and do this shit. I have to turn up every week, turn on my computer and look at his mug <laughs> and then try and talk, talk to him about football. You should try they, it. It's awful. They, they can't um, see you pointing at me. No, but I am pointing aggressively. <laughs> I'm quite surprised that you can see me pointing at you. Well, uh, it's, it's well done. Screen. Thank you. <laughs> Show off. Um, uh, Matthew... Uh, before I start with the, um, by the way, if you're listening for the first time, I tend to begin these podcasts, uh, podcasts in order to make them kind of light-hearted and uh, and less kind of uh, po-faced and earnest and and so focused on the, uh, the 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 sort of ins and outs and intricacies of football. Uh, we, I'm trying to shed light on Matthew as a human being because um, uh, he has very little to add from a content perspective so uh or in, in indeed any other perspective so i'm just trying to that makes him a man of mystery you know i i put everything out there i really put my balls on the line for this shit uh, whereas matthew gives nothing away so so i'm opening him up like a like a tin of sardines slowly peeling back to uh to really you know delve in and get good eye see all the brine uh, swimming <laughs> and those lovely nutritious protein omega-3 filled fillets yeah. uh, from the have Atlantic Ocean have you been watching Ocean. me undress again? <laughs> I, I have Matthew yeah, yeah. And it, wasn't a, it wasn't a pretty sight um, in light of your recent issues and, 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 right. and you've stumbled beautifully upon my it's not my first question just a request for an update oh, Matthew, okay. since we last spoke are there any updates on either your bollocks or your ongoing and brave battle with athlete's foot? uh the athlete's foot is ongoing, mm. and uh, which isn't possibly that surprising. But no, the... considering it's been ongoing for about twenty-five years. <laughs> yeah, and uh, uh, the the bollock situation is sort of. Um, so I'm still. I've, I basically I booked an. I had to register with a GP. I need. Mm. I I didn't have one, so I've registered, and I need to book an appointment. I guess I am a slightly self-conscious. I don't mind talking about it, but. But when you're asked to 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 get them out for inspection, mm. I, so you know, you're you're fearing your you're fearing your doctor's appointment. Uh, no, well, yeah, I guess I am actually, Matthew. 
as I mean, I don't want to you know go too uh, kind of <laughs> medical. Um, Seriously. I'm not a doctor. Yeah, well, into territories <laughs> that I don't feel equipped to, to talk about. But one thing I do know, that as any gentleman yeah. will know, and is, and is rightly told, it is very well, important to... I think women to, will know as well. Is who will know? Women, I think. Well, indeed. Well. No, but I'm, what I'm talking about is the important... <laughs> yes, indeed. But I'm, most women, as far as I'm aware, um, the, the one thing they, they do often lack is uh, a pair of bollocks. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, men are told repeatedly that you are supposed to be very aware of your bollocks to check them uh, yeah. consistently and to have them checked For embarrassment you're not going to die of embarrassment no no well well someone no. probably has actually haven't they <laughs> i know somebody somebody put us wrong i guess i was slightly holding out as to whether anyone on twitter would give me you know a steer as to you know whether i should be concerned what, or from not. our millions of twitter followers <laughs> yeah yeah we do have eight now the great robert noble oh. uh, a man with whom i used to work hello rob uh, love to you and the family and congratulations on your uh, arrive re- recent arrival welcome to the tr- twitter sphere eight down 400 million to go um at f unfocus by the way that's at f unfocus follow us rush up now um, yeah, so you were hoping that, yeah. that of those <laughs> yeah. eight people, someone was going to tweet you. Well, they might say, be a GP or, or some sort of medical background, yeah. and, and then they could give me a, a diagnosis based on Well, my... the comedian Mark Silcox is one of, inexplicably, is one of our Twitter followers. So maybe he's, uh, he does, I do actually think that he's one of these people who had a um, a professional life. I think he worked in the sciences, and then quit to be a comedian. You know, like Harry Hill was a doctor oh, yeah, and stuff. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, so maybe, Mark, Mark if you're listening, um, <laughs> then what do you think? tweet Matt. I mean, it's a long shot and you might need to see them as well. You know, I think <laughs> if he's looking for a way out of having to, you know, get the boys out of the barracks, um, I, I fear you might not be the answer. If I need to put a picture on Twitter, then um, the needs bust. Matt, you've been warned about that sort of thing before, though, haven't you? <laughs> yeah. You'll get banned. Donald Trump got banned, so, you know, (laughs) you're going down a wrong path there. Okay, well, keep us updated, please. And, I mean, let's hope it's... I mean, genuinely, obviously, let's hope it's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But we... But let's keep it light. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's it. Yeah. I mean, I really am hoping now it's nothing to worry about. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Uh, Good. Okay. Uh, (laughs) Moving on. Matthew, uh, what's your go-to shower gel? (laughs) It's... um... It's original source. Oh, you like that, do you? Yeah, yeah. Which, but it which... can be a bit tingly. Do you mean the minty, the, cu- the minty one? Do you like the minty one? Yeah, but if yeah, so washing your your nether regions, it can get a bit tingly. Back to the nether regions again, Matthew. I know, I know. It's you're like obsessed. like moss to a flame, or yeah, or a, you're like or a, a bollock <laughs> magnet. <laughs> yeah, your mouth, I, your mouth. That's what I meant. My mouth. Well, your, your mouth just it, it, it's drawn to bollocks in a way that I've not seen on any other human. Um, which, to be fair, I've always come loved on, about don't you. Be, come on, Mark. <laughs> so, original source. And is, is it the mint one that you like? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Good. Do you use it's, any other flavours? Um, I think there's like a strawberries and cream one as well, though. Mm. Or something like that. You like that one, do you? So, you're, you're dismissing lemon. Yeah. Uh, yeah, do you like the lemon? No, I, don't, I mean, I don't use it. Oh, you don't use but it? But I have used it. I was in... It's yeah, one of those... Was, I'm just trying to think. I was in your shower not too long ago. Um, and I was trying to think, what was in your... Well... I think it was something like... You had, like, super dry... Super drugs essentials. I mean, it, de- <laughs> a, it definitely wasn't that. 
And B, uh, I would have hidden, on, in the knowledge that you were going on the show, right. I'd have hidden any valuable good stuff. You know, I mean, Neil's Yard stuff is getting put away yes. when you're going around. I was thinking, I was like, yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of your sort of speed. But there yeah, it is, but it's also now increasingly beyond my financial uh, resources. So, you know, it's, uh, it's going to be like one of those things that uh, is my stubbornness to cling on to <laughs> using pretentious high value uh, body products going to be my, the, the thing that brings me down kicking and screaming, you know? Is that going to be like, you know, like Karl, Karl Marx, when he was uh, um, subjected to abject poverty when he was writing Capital and having to like slum it, um, living on people's sofas and stuff, um, and couldn't pay his debtors, but refused to give up his daughter's piano lessons because of, of kind of what it represented in terms of uh, the, you know, his, yeah. him in Sarti. Um, it's ironic, so, he, you know, considering his political views, that he was actually very bothered about um, sort of status and rank um, for himself. But so that you could can be... empathise. So yeah. is that your Neil's yard? Neil's yard is my my daughter's <laughs> piano lessons. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Matthew, question two: uh, How many wash loads uh, do you do in an average week? Quite a few. Mm. Were you were you thinking I'd do not many? No. What do you think? I, I do you think I consider you some sort of filthy animal? Who doesn't wash your clothes? <laughs> yes. Some sort of bollock obsessed, yeah, filth, filthy yeah. animal. I mean, I know you're tight. You are exceptionally tight. Uh, yeah. But, but uh, I don't know what your view. I mean, you know, how often? My cleat. Very. I mean, you don't go out a huge amount. So, so you know, where are you getting yeah. all these? What's causing all these clothes to to get dirty? <laughs> yeah. <I know. laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't expose myself to uh, the, yeah. To the, the elements. To the elements. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. but it, it can be about nine, nine a week. Bloody hell. Is That's that a, a lot? lot. Yeah. Do you not, yeah. do you do quite small loads then? Do you not let it build up? Uh, I do a, well, I separate them out. So you've got darks, whites, colours. Oh, I'm familiar with the system. Uh, yeah. I go further, Matthew. <laughs> I have a separate for uh, uh, colours. And whites, and then synthetics, so all gym gym gear, swimming gear, yeah. etc. Uh, and then towels, oh, yeah. uh, separate as well. Yeah, obviously. if I'm honest, and, and it's bedding. actually. Yeah, this, yes. <laughs> God, this is going into. Yeah, Matthew, this is, is the about... sort of detail that people want. I people know, don't I... tune into this to listen <laughs> to my my views on uh, you know the career of Kevin Campbell. <laughs> they want to know how many times a week you wash uh, items of clothing or other yeah. cloth related items in your abode. Yeah, so yeah, nine or ten then. Nine or ten. Yeah. I mean, that that is a lot. Yeah, good How job many do you, you don't do? have kids because like if you're, you're I know two well, adults. Jay says, yeah, you'd, I mean, if there was like you know something shitting know. or pissing, you'd be, you know, apart from me, bloody hell, your electricity <laughs> bill. You do realize there's an energy crisis and the cost of living is uh, spiraling, don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or are you well, so what... bourgeois that you don't have to concern yourself with such <laughs> yeah. such things? <laughs> No, I, 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 yeah, I cut down on um, my soup intake. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent, and that leads beautifully onto my final question. Oh, actually, we're Matthew. still on the final we, question. We got to do your yeah, go on. Final question, okay. Matthew. All right. What's the most complicated meal that you are able to cook? And I don't mean by that. You've the, asked the me that. So comp- no, 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 I haven't. I've asked you variations of it, but I'm asked what's the most complicated <laughs> meal that you are capable of cooking. I don't mean something that you cooked once because you wanted to show up. I'm talking about uh, in your right. repertoire of things that you would say you are comfortable with, what is the most complicated meal? Uh, 
I mean, I wouldn't say it's complicated, but it what it's the one that has the most ingredients in mm. um, pizza, and that <laughs> frozen pizza. Yeah, you buy the topping, yeah. add yeah. them on, but lots of ingredients. So yeah, yeah. That box. Um, like fajita, like a bean. So there's many variants of beans, chickpeas, mm. kidney mm. beans. But it is essentially uh, just tipping just tins put, into a pan. Into a pan. And then wrapping it in a pre-bought, pre-made yeah, yeah, yeah. sort of soft tortilla wrap. <laughs> Here end of my questions. It really is, once again, it's an education. Absolutely revealing. Matthew, before I start banging on about football, is there anything that you want to say about football? Is there anything... I mean, you, you, you just you just alluded... You, it felt like you were about to say, oh, we've still no. got to cover something. I have no idea what you're talking about. No, no. You, you said to me, make sure you listen to this. Um, no. For the, for the purposes of the tape, I suggested to Matthew earlier this week that in order to just familiarise himself without having to go to the trouble of actually watching a football match or uh, <laughs> devoting any time to football, that he might, you know, a good kind of entry-level bit of um, uh, coverage to familiarise himself with and get used to listening to is uh, Five Lives Football Daily. I rate Five Lives coverage very much. I think you get a lev- better level of punditry and a more kind of um, uh, engaging and familiar level of punditry than you get on most TV programmes. And their Football Daily podcasts are really good, particularly the Monday Night Club, hosted by Mark Chapman, with uh, Micah Richards, Chris Sutton, and the great journalist Rory Smith uh, on a weekly basis. And I suggested that Matthew might want to listen to that on a weekly basis, just to familiarise himself with what's going on in the world of football. Yeah. What have you got to say um, about that, Matt? No, I, I was going to say... I. I th- I was going to try and say something funny, like, oh, I don't remember if I listened to it, being a bit coy, but it's totally... It's a shame you didn't do that, because that would have been hilarious. I, yeah, well, that's, I know it is So did you listen to it? No. Brilliant. No. So you have, once again, you have absolutely nothing to add to this football-related podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. So anyone who complains that this podcast consists mostly of <laughs> yeah. m- w- w- long and sweeping monologues by me that's why that is why <laughs> fucking hell so maybe oh, next week well, Matthew you could give it a little listen yeah yeah yeah, yeah. next week I'll, actually I'll, I'll probably, you do have one thing in common with Micah Richards in the uh, in, and, and it really is only one thing he does you engaging uh, laugh uh, that, oh uh, right uh, that is it that is where the similarities <laughs> begin and very much end but he doesn't know much about um, oh he was that person that passed away the footballer jimmy greaves he doesn't know much about jimmy greaves either so that was two things well i would say i I actually think michael richard is an excellent pundit and knows a a huge amount about football and his insight he he really is able to draw the balance between giving his personal kind of experience and using that as as valuable insight but as well as being able to critically analyze um sort of goings on on a pitch and what's going on at clubs and so he's he's got a very engaging presentation style where he draws you in. However, he is yeah. If I were going to criticise, I'd say, and it isn't just him. He is symptomatic of a generation that only kind of know football from the, the the glitzy glamour Sky Sports era of football, and they know nothing beforehand. They don't. They don't seem to have any kind of um, desire or level of uh, inquisitiveness to to learn about football before. Whereas and I think I find that baffling because my own experience of getting into football, I was absolutely fixated with 
um, the past as much as I was with, um, you know, stuff that was going on week by week in front of my face. In fact, probably even now, I'm, I'm, I'm more... I get sort of kind of misty-eyed and I'm more kind of inspired and affected by things that went on even before I was born. Um, you know, football in the 70s, for example, 60s and 70s, um, I could not be more interested in that. <laughs> and, and, and I find it it's quite significantly more engaging than uh, most of what goes on now. And I d- I'm not sure there's much room for that. I think in a generation that's kind of brought up on watching Premier League years on Sky on loop and just thinking that football started in 1992. So it's no surprise that when England's finest ever natural goal scorer passed away, that there's a lack of pundits. I think if you're a pundit of kind of my age group downwards, you're unless you're a particular certain type of individual, you're unlikely to know a huge amount about footballers prior to that era, uh, which is a shame. But it, fe- you know, but it's no surprise, isn't it? You know, you look at the world and you think of it as a reflection of kind of what it's fed. Look at a human body. A human body is a representation of what you put into it. And this is now uh, a generation that is the result of 30 years of being kind of spoon-fed, you know, subscription channel propaganda about uh, every statistic starting from the 92-93 season. It doesn't... Goal-scoring records, you know, they put up the, go- the top goal scorers uh, of, in, 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 quote, the Premier League, and it begins with Alan Shearer um, on, I think, 260 goals. And there's there's the list. And there's not any recognition for any players who played prior, which is, which is ludicrous because Jimmy Greaves would still be at the top of that list, first or second anyway. And uh, so it is, it is no surprise, you know. And it, and, and it is too, it too easily. And I, and I and I again I hear on that on that subject people say, oh, it's a different game and stuff. Now, but who told you that's a different game? Have you actually gone to trouble? Have you just heard that and you're parroting that line? Or have you gone to the trouble of of looking into it, watching old football, reading books about it, looking at documentaries, and for, but yeah, but you know, I don't want to. That's not a Mike, that's not just a Michael Richards thing. No, no, it? no. But, but anyway, just a couple of things I wanted to scoot through. One semi serious thing I wanted to mention, and just a couple of things I wanted to scoot through. Matthew, as a as a devout Tottenham fan, uh, I know how you know mad you are on the Spurs and how you live. I know for, about you, this. You live for the Spurs. Uh, you know, you you really are um, mm-hmm. beholden to the to the giant golden cock in uh, North North London. Um, it is interesting, isn't it, that after the game last night, we are recording this on Thursday morning, uh, th- Thursday midday, uh, the day after Tottenham lost um, four their fourth at last five league games uh, away to Burnley, and your your kind of premium manager, very expensive premium born winner manager Antonio Conte looked like particularly kind of desolate after the match, really kind of downbeat. And he's come out with some really interesting quotes, including, if the problem could be the coach, I'm ready to go. And he's sort of saying things like, oh, I'm giving 20 hours a day to this, the other four hours is sleep, and nothing seems to be changing, nothing seems to be improving. And I just find it really, really fascinating because, you know, when when he was given the job in November, I kind of, you know, along, I'm not trying to, claim to be particularly wise on this because I don't think I was alone but there, there was a constituency of people who were sort of saying right that's it that one, that now guarantees success because everywhere Conte goes he succeeds he wins titles that's it kind of the way that people used to talk about Mourinho uh, in the old days um, uh, but there were others who thought okay well but this is by far the, the kind of biggest challenge he's taken on the riskiest um, uh, job that he has accepted and he's kind of the working conditions are going to be completely different 
uh, to anything he's experienced before, and it does feel seem like it's kind of going that way. And I don't know whether I don't know whether he's genuinely shocked at just how far he has to uh, make this current squad of players improve, or whether he's kind of playing games and just sort of showing the outside world because he is very good at that as well. Just kind of showing the outside world. Look, look at this shit that I've I've walked into here. Don't blame me personally. I'm kind of doing everything, but you you can't. Um, you know, you can take a horse to water type thing, and, and maybe even kind of push playing a long term game to ensure that he gets a big transfer kit in the summer. I don't know. I mean, Matt, I hesitate to ask this, but as a as a big Spurs fan, do you have a do you have a view on this? Did you notice this was happening? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, it did seem to be looking at a way of engineering an exit of sorts. I don't know. But he yeah, definitely but was you... opening the do- he was opening his own door to yes. get booted out. It but was... is that a power play? Like cuz uh, do you really think that's is genuine? It, is it... Yeah. He's been I've in never... a job for 22 know... matches. Yeah. Have you known a manager to do that? To, yeah, to... in order to do oh, that. Really? Mourinho used to do that, that sort of Did thing. He? Yeah, it, so it is a little bit from the kind of Mourinho playbook. Oh, you kind right. of go on the front foot. And sort of say, well, you know, I'm, I've got this. I mean, Mourinho he went even further because he used to basically say everything else isn't good enough, um, but I am. I'm, I'm a winner. But if you want to blame me, blame me, and I'll go. You know, and he was always kind of, and, it, and eventually, Chairman started saying, <laughs> "All right, then, yeah, fuck off." Um, yeah. Whereas with, I think with this, he's so new into the job, like relatively speaking. And it is unrealistic. There has to be a bit of a reality check here. I think some people got so excited with the, with the fact that it was Conte and so kind of ahead of themselves because of his name and his reputation. But, you know, he has kind of only really managed really elite clubs where he's walked in and he's either had a squad that is immediately capable of winning or challenging to win or a, an enormous transfer kitty where he can essentially dictate to buy whatever players he wanted. I mean, you, if you were watching closely his last job at Inter, I think he stayed there two seasons, and every time that they had a bad result or he wasn't happy with the performance, he would just bitch and use the press to uh, influence the board who would then just buy him another player. And they started spending way above any other Italian club during that period of time, including Juventus, who had won 10 titles in a row by then. So... You know, he's kind of used to being able to throw his toys out of his pram, but in quite a controlled and strategic way and kind of getting what he wants. The thing is here that, that is interesting to me is that Tottenham, Tottenham are having a very strange season because they have these moments where they look amazing. I mean, you've beaten Manchester City home and away. It's incredible. And on Saturday against City, they were so good. They probably could should, could and should have won by more. They were absolutely brilliant. Um and they are still a really dangerous opponent because on the day they can, you know, they've got such ex- exceptional players on the break. The Kane and Son combination is, you know, one of the most potent in European football. But among that, they've had these runs of just kind of uninspiring, playing uninspiring football, uh, looking demotivated, key players on the wane. Even Harry Kane himself, who was brilliant on Saturday, I think he's only scored seven league goals this season. By far and away, his lowest goals per game ratio in any season since his. Um, you know, been at the level he is. And you you kind of have to question, it, it feels like 
the decline and the underperformance in this level of players has, is so long term and ingrained now that is it actually an underperformance or is it just is that just the level that these players are at? And um, they seem to have tried all sorts now. You know, half the players who were signed either last summer or the summer before were flushed out in January, even if that required a, a, a big financial loss. Deli Ali, who kind of up, you know, until a couple of years ago, the team was kind of built around him. He's now been shipped out after successive managers. Didn't seem to want him there. Kane himself, obviously, was you know was an open secret. He was desperate to get out last summer, and you kind of think, okay, well, the club runs itself in a very sort of fiscally responsible and disciplined way. They don't ever flex from that. They've got Daniel Levy, who's famous for his negotiation skills, but the the nature of those skills is that he he plays brinkmanship. He's very good at playing brinkmanship in order to get the highest price for when he's selling and get the drive the price down when he's buying. What that that may have its advantages in terms of the bottom line, but where it is a problem is if you're someone like Conte and you want to know that you've got a squad and that's who you're dealing with for that season, it doesn't give you huge amounts of time to um, embed them kind of prior to the season and to work with them and to plan ahead. So it's gonna it is gonna be really interesting. I do have a slight sense that this is maybe just a bit of noise and because Conte just won't know how to, to deal with this situation because he's so unaccustomed to it. But at the same time it isn't a marriage made in heaven and uh, it's gonna be interesting to see how it goes. I mean I'm I've got no um, sort of um, dog in this fight, really. I, I have no no objection to Tottenham, and I'd be quite happy for them to, you know, do well and finish in the top four. It doesn't really matter. To, I mean, it looks like the top three are the top three, and someone else is going to finish in the top four. So, I, I, you know, I'd rather it was Tottenham, Arsenal, West Ham, or Wolves than uh, a certain other club in that race. Um, and so, I'd be quite happy for it to be Tottenham. But I just, I, you know, they they've also they seem to be blowing. You know, a few weeks back which is another reason I described their season as strange. A few weeks back, they had all these games in hand, and you kind of looked and go, oh, if you win all them, you're going to be like third. You go above Chelsea. But, you know, listen, the word but was doing a lot of heavy lifting in that <laughs> sense, and they, they really are. I mean, to go and beat Man City, but yet lose to, um, to Burnley and Southampton and Wolves, two of them at home. And they also don't... I'm not convinced they've really established... Um, their new stadium as, as the kind of fortress they wanted it to be. And I know these, those things can take time. I think Arsenal had a similar issue with transition, but it took a while to warm to it, and that, that can happen. But um, it is it is um, a noteworthy uh, situation. Um, just quickly on on the weekly Frank Lampard update. Just I'm, I think it's just because I'm not I'm not I'm not uh, I'm not um, kind of reveling and gloating. I, I'm just so fascinated by that appointment because I just think as a personality at such a bizarre match, uh, Everton and you know um, and and Lampard and it's really weird how he got so much hype about the you know he's had four games two uh, home and two away, but the two home only one of them was in the league, one in the FA Cup. Massive hype about beating Brentford at home in the FA Cup. Brentford, whose form has completely collapsed um, and I think had a weakened side on the day and they convincingly beat Brentford. Um, but then they've been awful in their two league away games, completely capitulated against uh, Newcastle and Southampton. Uh, they won their home league game against Leeds, who, whose form has also capitulated. So essentially they've beaten two teams that are probably the, the, in the worst form of all the top flight clubs and been convince, convincingly sort of pasted away from home and it completely lacked backbone. And I'm not, I'm also not convinced that the transfers that he brought in in the January window have yet made much of an impact. So the, the, I said way before Christmas, I think, that, that 
three of the bottom four are going down and there was no way out of that. And I, it looks like I, I mean, again, you, it changes so wildly from kind of week to week, but it really looks like I might, I might be wrong there because Leeds and Brentford are in big trouble now. Like we pasted Leeds last night. Um, they, they were quite weak. They, they played better at the weekend against the Manx, but still managed to lose a home game 4-2, having got back from 2-0 down. They're so easy to score against. They're so open, and you kind of worry, oh, God, they've got injuries. Are they a bit kind of burnt out, whatever, achieving last year? Brentford's form has fallen off a cliff, and they're now kind of finding their level, which is essentially a club that has not played in the top flight since, uh, I think, like the 1950s, and um, only got up from the championship through the playoffs. Um, so that initial bubble seems to have burst a little bit. So they are banging trouble. And when the likes of um, you know Burnley and Newcastle have started winning, even Nor- Norwich um, have had a big upturn in form. I do think Watford will go down. But even though they picked up a result at Villa last week, so I think it actually could be a really interesting end to the season, which is just as well because we want to have a title race is over because Man City uh, won the league in um, in December, didn't they? I know all the pundits uh, agreed with that, and uh, you know the pundits are never wrong. So it's just as well that didn't the- you say that. No, I no well. no Matthew, no, I didn't. Um, yes, you but, uh, the, but 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 you know, it, it doesn't. Man City were eight points in front or something. You were like, that's it. Well, we've always had games in hand. This is the thing. They don't. I'm not saying this. Just that, we've always had games in hand, and and this is the thing. I still think that Man City will probably win the league um, because what Liverpool have to do in order to win it is is to be all. You know, they've got twelve games left, and they essentially are probably going to have to win them all, including Man City away. Um, but in the same way that all the pre-season pundits didn't include Liverpool among the title favourites at all, and that is across the board, nobody mentioned us, nobody. They just went for who made the glitziest summer signings. In exactly the same way, they failed to recognise that you know we were in a strong position, uh, having only lost... Uh, two matches all season with games in hand going into the new year and with players coming back from injury, you know, once again, just completely overlooked. But but I'm sure City will win the league, so that doesn't matter. So just as well as a relegation battle. Um, <laughs> another thing worth mentioning, uh, today, Mark Hughes, who's a Premier League manager with one of the, in terms of like the list of, this is one of the, having dismissed Premier League era stats, I'm now going to throw one in. <laughs> he's, he's in the, he's certainly in the top 10 of um, matches managed in the Premier League. Um, uh, so he's a vastly experienced uh, coach with varying levels of success. I think he actually did a really good job at Stoke. He was there for five years, changed their style of play um, and had, you know, Brought better players in. Their league positions improved all the time with him. And it went a bit stale in the last season. But that can happen when you're managing a club where you're you're always pushing kind of against expectation a little bit. He did a good job uh, at Blackburn Rovers. He did a good job with Wales national team. And he even did an all right job at Man City when they first got their money. Um, but it, it didn't go well for him at Southampton, kind of up and down at QPR. And he had one season at Fulham where he did quite well and then resigned thinking he was worthy of better things. Um and he today has accepted a job, having only managed in the Premier League and in international level. He's not been in uh, a job for uh, just over three years. End of 2018, he lost his job at Southampton. And he's taken a job at Bradford City in League Two. They're kind of mid-table in League Two. And the re- I've got great respect for it. Because firstly, that's it can't be motivated by money. Because he's not going to be you know on anything close to the salary he's used to. So what he's clearly done is 
he's showing ambition, even though I think he's in his late fifties. Um, and a lot of people would sort of step away and go, I've kind of done what I need to do. And he's also, I think, recognised that at that level, that's a club that are way bigger than pretty much anyone else down there. They still get like average gates of about ten or 12,000 and their ground can hold about probably about 25,000, 30,000. They've got a big catchment area of players, um, of, of supporters and a kind of traditional fan base, despite the fact that they've n- achieved very little as a club. Um, and it, I think it shows that he now clearly is able to kind of look at football and say, well, what, what's the best that can happen to, for me? I, I, the, 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 very, the very highest profile Premier League job that I'm ever going to get is a club that's in relegation trouble. So, you know, I might be able to keep Watford in the Premier League for one more season. And, I'm, you know, and all, all that that means is that I'll keep them up and then the next season when we get a run of results, the fans will turn against me and I'll be out of a job and I'll get a bit of a payoff and then I'll go back. And that's going to leave a completely unremarkable kind of stain on on football history. But I could instead, I could go to Bradford. I could manage from the bottom up. I could completely revolutionise the club. I'll be given a bit more time because the media pressure and the speculation isn't as as, as intense. I'll, the, 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 the locals and the support place will probably be delighted that a high-profile manager is, is happy and willing to manage that club. And, and I can win trophies and run through the divisions. Bradford City are a club that were in the Premier League for two seasons in the early 2000s. And, you know, they're not... All right, they were they were probably punching a bit above their weight there, but they actually have infrastructure in place to be way bigger than what they are. To definitely be a kind of mid-table championship team when you look at some of the clubs that have, have done that, and you look at some of the clubs that have been in the Premier League in recent years that are significantly smaller than Bradford City, you know, like Watford, um, like Bournemouth, like Wigan. Bradford are bigger than all of them. Um, so, great respect. Hats off to Mark Hughes. Well done, mate. Um, Weekly Darren Fletcher watch uh, on BT Sport last night at the very end of uh, a game. I've seen a clip this morning, uh, literally in the last 30 seconds, him and Robbie Savage with their usual uh, pants down sycophancy towards uh, Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, He was running towards the corner flag, took an enormous dive to try and win a free kick in injury time to um, give them the opportunity to get ahead in the tie against Atletico Madrid. And, uh, they both uh, uh, Fletcher started going, oh, free kick, and then and then nobody reacted, even even under the players, um, because I think it was such an obvious dive. Even under the players, sort of appeal for it, and Ronaldo just sat on the ground looking disconsolate, and Fletcher was just just completely baffled. He was, I cannot believe that's not been given, like because to him. There is no, there is just uh, 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 no fault with that guy. He went down, so therefore it is a foul. And if it, if it doesn't get given, it's a scandal. Um, so yeah, that just just a weekly thing. And then finally, <laughs> finally ending on. Uh, in fact, this is maybe something that we can we can um, touch upon. We'll kind of monitor how it goes over the next few weeks and months or the rest of this season. But you suggested earlier in the week that we we talk about. Uh, the increase in fan violence, which I sort of initially said to you, I don't really want to talk about because I don't think I've got anything in, to add. But, you know, I think in the time since then, I've had a little think about it. You see about, you know, um, Anthony Alanga was coined at Leeds United at the weekend, you know, and it does feel that week by week, you're getting flares chucked on pitches, you're getting missiles, you know, bottles and coins increasingly thrown at players. And it is... People are kind of. It's easy to make parallels with the um, the bad old days of the seventies and eighties when football violence was kind of at its peak in this country, 
Um, but where it's different is that most of that was kind of concentrated in groups of people, particularly rival groups and kind of firms within which pretentious football hipsters would these days describe as ultras um, uh, when they're talking about um, clubs on the continent um, with their self-important fans who don't have the balls to actually travel overseas and just stand behind the goal with megaphones and think that makes them ultras, um, uh, directing their, their, their sort of you know fascistic... Um, fan bases um, but uh, the thing yeah but the thing that, is, that differentiates is this seems to be just the, the kind of righteous anger and indignation of individuals who can't control themselves so project that onto players rather than kind of each other in the crowd um, I think that that's the key difference thus far I'm not saying it won't develop in that way but I think that there's a big discussion to be had in terms of what that says about the way our society's gone, the things that are impacting upon that, why people are kind of so angry, the the, the role that social media plays in that. It, but it is a, it is a problem, and we should never be, you know, every every big problem, um, every big kind of you know movement or trend like this has its genesis, doesn't it? And uh, I think it would probably be uh, foolish. And I know that like, I think I'm pretty sure the FA and the Premier League are kind of looking at this, um, but it would be foolish to. Um, to kind of just just arrogantly overlook that um, at now before it kind of gets out of hand. So yeah, we we'll have a we'll have a chat about that another time. But I know you want to wrap this up, Matthew, because you've got work to do uh, this afternoon. And uh, yeah, people have heard enough of this shite anyway. So uh, for another week, it's time to say uh, Arriva uh knowing me, Mark, and knowing him, Matthew. Aha and goodbye. <laughs>